Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Violence can destroy families. I decided one day that I could not stand having my children witnessing more of the physical, verbal and emotional abuse. While I was facing issues of family violence, I heard about a service available to assist people in my situation called InTouch. I called InTouch and spoke with someone in my language. InTouch gave me the support I needed. Thanks to the people at InTouch, I've been able to rebuild a better life for my family. If you need advice, contact InTouch for a free and confidential discussion in your language by calling 1-800-755-988 or search InTouch Multicultural Centre online. InTouch. Brought to you by Victorian Women Lawyers and funded by Victoria Law Foundation. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hand. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. Why Gender is a group for trans and gender queer questioning young people and friends. Why Gender run social events and have monthly meetings in the city. Check us out on Facebook or see ygender.com for more info. Ygender.com. Hey all, uh, welcome to day, today's show on Queering the Air. Uh, the song we heard before was She Comes Along by Habibi. Um, so queering the I would like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonarong lands of the Kulin Nation and like to pay our respects to elders past and present and any elders who may be tuning in right now on 3CR Community Radio. So you're listening in live with myself, Tan Hung, and, um, and today we're talking about mental health, self-care and community care in the arts. I'll be chatting to Rani Pramasti, artist and associate producer at FCAC, as well as Dawn, uh, who is a local artist and amazing um, person of colour in Melbourne and a great friend of Queering the Airs. So um, we'll be welcoming both of them later. And I, But I first wanted to mention that Melbourne's Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival is on next weekend from the 13th till the 15th of November. And I recently did an interview with the director of the festival, Liz Alexander. Let's hear it. Tell me about the Tilda Film Festival. Sure. 
Hello, Tanhang. Great to be here. Um, I'm Liz Alexander. I'm the director of TILDA, the Melbourne Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival, which is an international film festival uh, that showcases the work of trans and gender diverse uh, filmmakers, as well as films that uh, cover trans and gender diverse themes and ideas. Amazing. And what's the story behind uh, the choice of name for the festival? Ah, well, that was actually one of our committee members, Cerise Howard. We were all sitting around over a year ago now trying to think of something that was a little bit catchy and interesting. And um, Cerise suggested Tilda, um, for those of you who don't know, which is actually that squiggly line on the keyboard, which is (laughs) on the far right hand, left hand side. And... Uh, one of its many meanings is uh, the idea of um, thereabouts um, or roughly. Um, and mm. we thought that was a nice way of capturing some of our thoughts about gender being something that we can't always pin down or put in a box or define. And I guess it's also a bit of a throwback to Tilda Swinton, who for generations has been a pretty impressive actress in uh, breaking down and crossing gender boundaries and stereotypes. So it's a little bit obscure, um, perhaps so obscure that no one really knows what we're on about. But um, <laughs> it's, also, it's also caught on quite well and we've used the iconography of the squiggly line in our branding and in our programming. Amazing. Mm. Uh, I'd love to know more about the team and like this is the second year that Tilda is running. That's um, right. So how did the team come together? How did you meet the other uh, Tilda members? Yeah, so um, I, when I kind of came up with the idea a couple of years ago, I came back from the States and uh, got together a, a group of fellow, I guess, troublemakers and mm-hmm. uh, queers and activists and um, people that, they were largely people that I knew from around who had been involved in uh, trans activism or community um, projects or art uh, and film projects. Um, as well as other friends put me in touch with other various people who um, they thought would be keen. So we came together late in 2013 and we held our first year the following year with that team that kind of evolved from there. So there was about eight people involved in uh, children in 2014 and Mm. from a range of backgrounds, you know, uh, people involved in the community sector, artists, filmmakers, other people involved in other film festivals, uh, people who identify as trans or genderqueer, gender diverse or um, people like myself who are cis and um, allies or who have been involved in uh, the community in different ways um, for many years. We've got a couple of the original members still, Mm. well actually four, and other people have gone on to adventure off to other parts of Australia or um, doing other projects and so we've had uh, three or four new people come on board this year. Amazing. Yeah, I was reading on the TILDA website that um, the various members of the TILDA team are either from arts backgrounds or social work or community yeah. work or activism. And I think that's um, really telling of the the kind of festival that TILDA is and um, that you have these various networks. And Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Festival. I think it's, yeah, for many of us, it's a really nice combination of, you know, different passions in terms of the community, but also... Um, art and film as a way of expression and a way of bringing people together. So I think we've worked pretty hard to um, not make the festival an exclusive kind of inaccessible, highly um, highbrow um, space. It Mm. is more of a space that, you know, everyone really who's got an interest or a connection um, to the community or to issues around gender oppression can be a part of. Amazing. In light of, I suppose, the increased mainstream media visibility of particularly trans women, um, mm. why do you think it's important to have a film festival like Tilda now, given that we have, I guess, I suppose, what is quite a, a selective representation of trans people? 
Yeah. Well, I guess, as you've said, it is quite selective um, and it is still, I mean, it's fantastic that you are seeing more representation and self-representation too, which, mm -hmm. I mean, is the beauty of YouTube and the internet. But also, I think as time has gone on, it's been increasingly um, acknowledged that transgender diverse people need to be involved in the process of making films um, for mm. or about them. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're all really excited to see um, that Tangerine, for example, um, an American uh, film about trans women in LA was part of the Melbourne International Film Festival this year. And obviously there's TV shows like uh, Transparent. Um, um, however, I guess it still feels like some of these representations are quite limited and, it, you know, mm. it is often the stories are focused on a particular part of a person's life or very much mm. focused on them as someone who is trans rather than someone who, you know, has a crazy love affair or, um, um, you know, a buddy movie about um, mm. a, a couple of people on the road and one of them incidentally is, is trans. Mm. Um, and I guess also for us, we've worked, and the programmers in particular have worked really hard to find stories from places that you don't necessarily see on mainstream media. So, for example, The New Man is a, is a documentary from Uruguay, um, mm. which is an incredible representation of a, you know, of a life and a story that we might not usually see in, in mainstream festivals or, or um, cinemas. Um, and we've got a doco uh, also um, about trans men in Turkey and a whole range of... Um, other films from different parts of the world. Um, so I think we're, you know, while of course it's fantastic that there are more accessible representations of trans and gender diverse uh, people, I think we we feel like there's still quite a long way to go. Um, and also, it's really fun to come together and watch these films, you know, as as a community rather than all of us individually watching them at home by ourselves um, and I guess as I was saying before that the idea of the festival is also about community and uh, what can happen when a bunch of people get together and, and the power in that. Yeah, amazing. So I guess I'd like to know like what are some highlights for you from this year's selection of films? Mm, uh, it's always a tricky question. Um, I think probably just the uh, the range. Um, I think, as I said before, the programmers in particular have done an amazing job of finding finding films that are, you know, there's several that are really highly acclaimed films and they've won quite a lot of um, international um, awards. Um, so Something Must Break, for example, is a, a film from Sweden that's a really beautiful um, portrait of, it's kind of a love story, but it's also a coming-of-age story um, from the director who also directed She Mouse Nails that we had as part of the program last year. Mm. Um, and Quick Change is another film from the Philippines that's that's won several awards. That's um, it's it's a feature narrative film, but it's it's almost like a documentary and how it's shot, and it's a very kind of gritty realist realism um, story about um, the underground. Um, beauty uh, scene in, in Manila uh, um, mm. that's largely about uh, a group of trans women and I guess the lengths that they'll go to to kind of feel, feel like they fit in and, and belong. Um, so you've got some really, I guess, darker stories but then we have the opening night film which is a, a comedy um, but oh, also yeah. tackles some um, issues around masculinity and what it is to be a man, but in a way that is a bit more lighthearted and, and fun. And you've also got some Australian shorts as well. Yeah, yes, thank you for that reminder. Yeah. <laughs> so the shorts, the Tilda shorts um, session is has uh, a couple of Australian films in it, uh, which is fantastic that we're seeing more Australian films. Um, mm. So one that's called My My, which is um, directed by a local um, here, Anna Helm. And also in the short docos session, we have a follow-up to the film that screened last year of Brianna and Rosalina Curtis, who are two Arunde, uh, Central Arunde sister girls. And uh, this doco was shot 
especially for Tilda by Bent TV as, and, it, and it has a further interview with them uh, a year or so on from their first um, interview. So it's a really lovely way of following their um, journey in terms of where they are in, in their life. Amazing. So where can Queering the Air audience listeners um, find more about Tilda and tickets and where it's located this year? Yeah, so um, jump on our website, which is um, tildamelbourne.com. Tickets are available there. You can pick up programs from various places around town. Probably Hares and Hyenas is the most central place. If you like to have a little physical um, hard copy of things, like me, I don't really love <laughs> watching things or looking at guides on the internet. I'm the same, yes. <laughs> yeah, you need that. You need that. Yeah. It's something to feel and see and look at yeah. um, and troll through. Not that it's quite the level of a bigger film festival um, but and then we are located this year in North Melbourne so we're at the Lithuanian Club on Errol Street so it's a much bigger venue which is great because last year tickets did sell out um, well in advance so um, we're hoping that won't happen uh, this year but um, we do encourage people to book your tickets early because we've already sold quite a few actually which is pretty exciting and we don't want people to miss out. Um, and we've also made a real effort to keep ticket prices um, affordable. So they're $10 and $15 for concession and full for single tickets. And you can grab a season pass that gets you to all six of the sessions, including the opening night, closing night parties for 60 bucks concession or 90 bucks full, which we reckon is a bit of a bargain in this day and age, given it's not that cheap to go to the movies anymore. No, it's not. Thank you, Liz, for chatting. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Tanhan. Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email info at by-alliance.org. Hi, I'm Tristan Taramino and you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR. Hi 3CR listeners, welcome back to Queering the Air with your host Tan Hung. You just heard an interview with Tilda Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival Director Liz Alexander. Again, the festival is coming up next weekend and for more information um, and to purchase tickets, do visit tildamelbourne.com or check them out on Facebook at Tilda Melbourne. Queering the Air was lucky enough to score um, our special listeners a double pass uh, to the documentary shorts that are happening on the 15th uh, of November, which is a Sunday at 4pm. So do visit our Facebook page today and like our post to be in the running to win those tickets. On today's show, we are talking about mental health and the arts, um, everything to do with self-care and community care, um, whether you're an artist or working in the arts. So excited to chat about that. Um, but before we do, um, we're going to first hear a recording I conducted at the Footscray Community Arts Centre's recent event, Arts and Self-Care, which was a two-day workshop with various mental health practitioners and arts workers. We'll be hearing from Judy Atkinson. So Judy Atkinson, um, identifies as a Jiman and Bunjalong Aboriginal Australian woman who also has an Anglo-Celtic and German heritage. With a PhD from uh, Queensland QUT, her primary academic re and research focus is in the area of violence and relational trauma and healing for Indigenous and indeed all peoples. Her book, Trauma Trails, Recreating Songlines, The Transgenerational Effect of Trauma in Indigenous Australia, provides a context to the life of stories of people who have been moved from their country in a process that has created trauma trails, and the changes that can occur in the lives of people um, who make connections with each other and share stories of healing. Judy retired from academia at the end of 2010 and founded the uh, We Ali business, which has allowed her to focus on writing and working with communities in Australia, Timor-Leste and Papua New Guinea, with a special focus on educational healing work, what she calls educaring. This is a snippet from Judy's talk at Footscray Community Arts Centre last week. 
the story of Miriam Rose's uh, gift to the Australian nation. Have anybody heard, have any of you heard of Didiri listening to one another? Some of you have. On the 26th of January 1988 in Tasmania, Miriam, uh, who comes from uh, Nayu or Daly River in the Northern Territory, just halfway between um, Darwin and Catherine, uh, presented a paper in Tasmania and she called it the Aboriginal gift, people called it the Aboriginal gift to the nation. And I'm actually going to read her, part of her words. This is a, a shortened version of the paper she presented. Didiri, a special quality, a unique gift of the Aboriginal people is inner deep listening and quiet still awareness. Didiri recognises the deep spring that is inside us. It is something like what you call contemplation. The contemplative way of Didiri spreads over our whole life. It renews us and brings us peace. It makes us feel whole again. In our Aboriginal way, we learned to listen from our earliest times. We could not live good news for lives unless we listened. We are not threatened by silence. We are completely at home in it. Our Aboriginal way has taught us to be still and to wait. We do not try to hurry things up. We let them follow their natural course like the seasons. We watch the moon in each of its phases and we wait for the rain to fill our rivers and water the thirsty earth. When twilight comes, we prepare for the night. At dawn, we rise with the sun. We watch the bush foods and wait for them to open before we gather them. We wait for our young people as they grow stage by stage through their initiation ceremonies. It's a grief place for me. When a relation dies, we wait for a long time with the sorrow. We own our own grief and allow it to heal slowly. We wait for the right time for our ceremonies and meetings. The right people must be present. Careful preparations must be made, which is what's happened here. We don't mind waiting because we want things to be done with care. Sometimes many hours will be spent on painting the body before an important ceremony. We don't worry. We know that in time and in the spirit of Didiri, that deep listening and quiet stillness, the way will be made clear. We are like the tree standing in the middle of a bushfire sweeping through the timber. The leaves are scorched and the tough bark is scarred and burnt. But inside the tree, the sap is still flowing and under the ground, the roots are still strong. Like that tree, we have endured the flames and we still have the power to be reborn. Our people are used to the struggle and the long waiting. We still wait for the white people to understand us better. We ourselves have spent many years learning about the white man's ways. We have learned to speak the white man's language. We have listened to what he has to say. This learning and listening should go both ways. We would like people in Australia to take time and listen to us. We are hoping people will come closer. We keep on longing for the things that we have always hoped for, respect and understanding. We know that our white brothers and sisters carry their own particular burdens. We believe if they will let us come to them, if they open up their minds and their hearts to us, we can lighten their burdens. There is a struggle for us, but we have not lost our spirit of Didiri. There are deep springs within each of us. Within this deep spring, which is the very sound, is a, is a, which is the very spirit, is a sound, the sound of deep calling to deep. The time for rebirth is now. If our culture is alive and strong and respected, it will grow. It will not die and our spirit will not die. I believe the spirit of Didiri that we have to offer will blossom and grow, not just within ourselves, but within our whole nation. So we have to want to listen. Because in fact, we don't get into post-traumatic growth unless people have worked through the stories that are holding them in pain. And they don't have to talk about them sometimes. They can dance them. They can do any, anything. Uh, do them in art, and I can, I'll talk about that in a minute. D in Bundjalung country, the, the word for listening is gana. 
And it means hearing, listening, feeling, thinking, and then understanding. And in Gumbungi country, where we're working towards a royal commission to look at the death of three children, and they know who killed them, but the court system in Australia is not good. They talk about listening, and there's no way in the world I can pronounce this. Um, hearing, learning, understanding, and knowing from the heart. So it gives you a whole sense of what listening can be. Deeply knowing, not just from this place here, but from this place down here where we hold the stories. Hey y'all, this is Natalie from Blue King Brown and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Is something worrying you? Need someone to talk to? Having trouble at work or at home? Call WIRE Women's Information on 1300 134 130 Monday to Friday 9am to 5pm. Talk to a woman who cares. It's free and confidential Victoria-wide. You can talk to us about anything. You can also talk to us in your own language through our telephone interpreter service. So call WIRE on 1300 134 130 or visit wire.org.au. WIRE is a 3CR You're listening to 3CR Radio. And that song was Dreams by Emily Rio, but the cover of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. So thank you, Emily Rio, for making that cover. I really love it. And the song we heard before that was Inner Turquoise Invigoration by May Saraswati um, off her EP Small Tuners of the Coastal Plains. So do check out her music. Um... And just before that, we heard from uh, Judy Atkinson, who is a Jimam and Bunjalong professor and community worker, who did a talk at the Footscray Community Arts Centre last week at their event, Arts and Self-Care. Um, thank you, Judy, for uh, doing that amazing presentation. I really enjoyed it. And obviously, we only heard five minutes of that. Um, but hopefully, you've gotten a taste for her work and do check out um, her work and, yeah, Google her name. So today on Queering the Air, um, we've got two guests in the studio. I'd like to welcome Rani and Dawn. Hi, Rani and Dawn. Hello. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> okay, so first I'm going to read out your important bios because oh, nice. you're important people. Um, Rani Pramasti is the founder of Rani P Collaborations. Rani P Collaboration inspires conversations, self-reflection and social change through performing arts. We give audiences and communities transformative experiences through intimate and insightful stories by and with culturally diverse women. In 2015, Rani is working as an associate producer at the Footscray Community Arts Centre. Rani is also leading the creation of a new performance installation for Next Wave Festival. Sadisuno. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Sadisuno. In 2014, Rani led the creation of a performance installation, Chinese Whispers, which won the Melbourne Fringe Award for Best Live Art and Kultur's Innovation in Culturally Diverse Practice Award. Chinese Whispers received the VCAMCM and Arts Victoria Graduate Mentorship $25,000 scholarship. 
In 2013, Rani was an emerging cultural leader at Footscray Community Arts Centre where she commenced Chinese Whispers with theatre maker Ji Vu as her mentor. And we also have Dawn um, Denkelman, who is an amateur digital arts hobbyist and writer and a counselling and psychotherapist student, a queer trans woman and a first-generation Thai migrant. She wrestles with questions of identity and belonging for much of her life, reflecting through in her creative works. She enjoys sleeping and video games when not stressing over studies and has thoroughly enjoyed connecting with other creative-minded queer migrant women as part of the Our Voices Changing Cultures project. Welcome, Rani and Dawn. Thank you. Thank you. I also really enjoy sleeping. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. So I, can't I love I that. included that in that bio. Just to be honest. It's, no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> um, so today, yes, as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about community care, self-care and mental health in the arts. Um, so, mm. yeah, we're going to treat this discussion with lots of care for each other. And um, mm. if any if any particular thing comes up, then we will content warn it. But otherwise, I think we're all good to go. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start off with talking about, um, I guess, mental health has been become a very prominent issue in the workforce. Um, Rani and Dawn, what, what do you think are some of the specific issues pertaining to work in the arts, either as an artist or community arts worker? Um, okay, right. I, can, yeah. I can start it off. Um, I think one of the main ongoing challenges um, in the arts um, that applies to a lot of people, not everyone, but to a lot of people, mm. is kind of the lack of financial security that comes from being an artist, um, depending on which stage of your career you're at. But even for more established artists, um, you know, a lot of the work is contract work. It's really short term. Um, mm. And you always have to kind of put yourself out there in terms of auditions or, um, you know, th that kind of um, uncertainty. Uh, of ongoing work and then um, there's the added layer of sometimes the work is underpaid as well um, yep. depending on which parts of the sector that you're working in um, it may be less regulated um, so there's no one actually checking on you know uh, whether you're being paid to the MEAA rates which is the Media mm -hmm. Entertainment and Arts mm -hmm. Alliance rates the union uh, union for artists and arts workers um, didn't even know that existed so ah, okay yeah that is that's really oh, wow. good to know actually yeah yeah um, and I also thought that maybe um, this is from my perspective as an independent artist. Um, often you're juggling a lot, many, many different roles. You know, you're juggling the administrative tasks that it takes to actually get an artistic project off the ground, as well as making the creative work. And um, in in my case, and in a lot of people's case as well, um, some of the work is often emotionally exposing. So that mm. that could also definitely affect your mental health. Mm -hmm. I reckon that's my two cents. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Don, do you have anything to add? No. Yeah. Um. A, a lot of um. I probably wrote more on the other topics of discussion, but I mean this one. Yeah. Similarly, just thinking about the general burnout due to um, the competitiveness of certain um, mm. streams of uh, applying for grants or just um, mm. um, competitions and so on, and um. Yeah, the way that we do get under underpaid in certain projects and so on. Um, there's also um, with group projects and so on. There's there's always um, the issue of teamwork dynamics and working with mm, a variety of different people. Yeah, and you know the need to sort of um, negotiate differences and respect each other, and you know debrief about certain disagreements and so on. That can always be. Um, it, it can be certainly rewarding working with others as opposed to, you know, fighting on your own. But then it comes with its own challenges as well. Mm. Definitely. And I think, yeah, the idea of doing unpaid labour is a very common thing in the arts. Mm. It's a very common culture, um, whether you're an artist or arts worker. Um, and I think with that as well, it's not just like monetary labour, but it's also emotional labour as well. And, mm. and that not being recognised that we're putting in a lot of uh, mm. emotions into what we're doing um, because we really care about whatever community we're working in or working with um, mm. and or we yeah the things that we're talking about as you said Rani earlier is very exposing um, mm. it can be depending on yeah. what the subject matter is yeah yeah, yeah it can definitely be exposing mm. um, yeah so yeah I'd love to talk more about like emotional labor the idea of unpaid labor in the arts and if you have mm. any bubbling thoughts on that um, I feel like I, sh I need to 
I want to talk about it, mm. and I would need to kind of give the context of the current project that I'm working on, okay, which is really, yep. really. Mm. Can I do that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do that now. Okay, okay. <laughs> because um, the work that Tan Hang mentioned earlier, sedih suno. Mm. Sedih is bahasa Indonesia or Indonesian for sadness, and suno is to listen in Fiji and Hindi. Mm. So the work is a gentle invitation to listen to sadness, and essentially, um, as an audience member, um, you'll arrive as part of a group of eight to maybe ten people, and you are taken on a journey through a performance installation made out of my family and my collaborators. Shivanjani Lal's um, family collection of fabrics, so Indonesian batik and Fiji Indian saris. Mm. <clears throat> and there are two main narratives. One of them has to do with my mother. And um, I should warn listeners that um, the work does have to do with sexual abuse. So one of the um, main stories is my mother's journey of kind of coming to terms with having been abused at a young age and then eventually confronting her perpetrator, forgiving them and then moving on and being honest with herself that that had happened to her. So uh, in the work, I rewrite that story from the perspective of um, her daughter and mm. how how grateful I am to her that she's done the emotional labor, as you say, um, to confront this trauma. Um, it took her many, many, many years. And then to give me permission five decades on to make a performance out of it. Mm. Um, so I suppose, you know, in talking about unpaid uh, I guess I wanted to just kind of talk about that project because a lot yeah. of it is emotional labor. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mm. what you just said then reminded me of, um, and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to your project, but I recently did, um, um, or I performed at the FMX, or Liquid Architectures, What Would oh, a Feminist yeah. Methodology Sound Like? Yeah. And there was, um, so prior to the actual event I did like a poetry reading and then I also my mum also came on stage and mm. she sung me some yeah, folk that was songs. amazing I was there. Oh, amazing. <laughs> cool. yeah which was really great but um <clears throat> I think you know I wouldn't have been able to do that event without her in lots of ways and she mm. really provided me the emotional support and I also asked her if I could if she could come up and mm. and be part of that as well yeah. and it was really important for her to be part of that yeah um so I think like mm. Yeah, and n- not having performed a lot in in public, it was it was really mm. nice to have her be part of that set, and mm. but also, um, of course, ask her permission to mm. to do something like that as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I suppose I, I was hmm. one of the challenges that I found in making Sedisuno, mm. uh, mm. which is related, I think, to what you just said, Tanhang. Um, uh, as an independent artist, as I said, you're often juggling so many different roles, right? So I yeah. was um, a recent development that we had was a 10-day intensive at Arts House where we worked mm. intensively every single day oh, on this wow. project. And um, it involved listening to the interview that I, that I did with my mom um, where she described her experiences of being raped, you know, as a child. And I listened to that over and over and over and over mm. as part of the creative development. And I was surprised that I didn't have I didn't have an emotional breakdown. I didn't even really feel anything, except there were moments when um, we were about to open the doors to the test audience, and I was sitting alone in a dark room, surrounded by her my mother's batik, yeah. and no one else was watching me. And then my body would fold over in half, and my face kind of went into this grimace of pain. Mm. But it was just a um, in Indonesian skalibat like um just a passing because then you know the audience has to come in right yeah and when I clocked that for myself I was like I'm not letting something out here and I really need to deal with it because clearly my body is telling me yeah. there is something that needs to come out yeah um so it was only after that process was over um that I booked myself into counseling because I was like clearly mm. my body is telling me there's things I need to deal with but I can't deal with it right now because I'm project managing this thing I'm leading this process blah 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 mm. but I need to make sure I'm putting the time energy and resources to taking care of my mental health mm. after during of course but after it's it's um the creative process has finished then I can begin a therapeutic process for mm. myself mm. does that make sense yeah at the briefing for myself yes. yeah Definitely. which yeah and it's admirable that you have that um responsibility towards your own self-care afterwards as well as to the project that yeah while it's running you know not mm. letting um any heavier feelings than that than what are due 
come mm. in and affect the performance. Yeah, because there's the creative process, then there's the therapeutic process. And sometimes mm. they overlap. Yeah. But when mm-hmm. I'm leading a creative process, it cannot just be focused on my self-therapy. Mm-hmm. I need to have a separate space and time and separate money as well set aside for the therapeutic stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm putting it on my team and that's not fair on them mm-hmm. and it's not fair on the work. Yeah. Does that make sense? That is I've yeah, also no. been talking a lot, so no, I just want no, Dawn to talk more. Okay, Dawn. I'm just going to bounce off that. So yeah. this, this is yeah. talking more about, um, you know, my engagement with creative works in the past as well, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, the unpaid labor. But so previous, I guess it connects because previously what I've I've done is, um, you know, in, in the years prior, I've been creating works um, just hobby, like uh, as a hobbyist, creating, you know, out of, out of my own desires to express and a lot of it um in in earlier years in like for a good um five years like before i discovered myself came to grips with my gender identity and so on Mm. um i was wrestling with quite um bad adjustment and depression and so on so a lot of it i would pour into my artworks and use that as therapy perhaps in a very a rather excessive way at some point and um, I, I, looking back now, I, I can recognize, you know, like on one hand that there's a lot of beautiful things that came out of that, but it was dealt with and, and probably not resolved in the in the best way that I could because I had no other avenues to, to um, as you did, Rani, to unpack it later with someone. Like mm-hmm. um, I would sort of like throw my works out into the dark, um, have, because I'd be publishing on the internet for, mm-hmm. for free, um, letting um, like anonymous or, or you know strangers comments sort of uplift me but there was no sort of like lasting connection in terms of it's mm. only afterwards that I began to make artist friends and then discuss things with them sort of more mm. fully mm. and I think that that's really important to have that dis- important disclosure talking about you know so you, so they can talk tell you whether or not you've um will tell you how they view your artwork, whether, you know, that, that's, that trauma comes across and whether also you've been able to process it adequately after the performance itself, the, the actual mm. creation itself. Mm. Yeah. So do you think then we can do self-care without community care or are they intertwined? Because mm. what you've both been saying, it just makes me think of, like, you can't just do it on your own, that there mm. needs to be others there for you or mm. I feel like that's a that's a human existence kind of given isn't it mm-hmm. I feel like people always need people to mm. take care of each other um, mm. I, I think it's also interesting because Dawn's work is how would you call that Dawn is it digital art it's digital art yeah, yeah. and a lot of it is sort of like you know dealing with like fan like fantasy magical themes and mm. a lot of it is inspired by you know the video games that I that I played mm. with and and the, mm. the characters that my yeah. friends created and so on mm. I feel like in some ways from what I hear of what mm-hmm. you just talked about we both work with communities because mm-hmm. I, I see my performance um, experiences as transient communities mm-hmm. um, our aim is always to create safe spaces to mm-hmm. talk about topics that have deemed been deemed as unsafe. So no matter how transient that community, when you come and sit with us um, in Sadisuno, in this case, it's for women artists. It's a transient community where it's safe to be with sadness and mm-hmm. it's safe to be with mm-hmm. what comes up for you through the work. Mm-hmm. At least that's our intention. And yeah. it sounds like with your work done, you're trying to create those communities online as well. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that's yeah. Well, I I certainly it came about as a product of that. Like um, I found this del- delving a little bit into my um personal um mental health um relations with other people, but um I found connecting around communities of artists like the best way to. Um, at a time when I when I couldn't re- connect to people on a as well on a personal level, that like mm. that was some kind of shared bond that we had, and therefore it became the friends that I made through that process. Like we we were talking more closely about our work and our interests and so on, and and that became a sense of community and mm. and like that. It it didn't happen intentionally at first, but mm. it ca- became quite an important thing to have that mm. support system. Yeah, interesting. Um, I was just thinking about how. I guess with um, older, I guess like with my parents' generation, maybe my uh, grandma's generation, like talking about mental health is is taboo or it's like you don't talk about your emotions in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that there is stigma um, in various people of colour communities. Um, mm. But how great it is to, like, when you connect with other um, POC artists, mm. that you can start to talk or you feel like you can talk about those things. And mm. um, if you can't talk about it with your family, it's almost like, well, you have, like, this other extended community um, of POC artists that you can talk about and, yeah, can mm. feel good. Yeah, I definitely... Um uh, this year has been kind of tough. I think I've gone through like several kind of depressive episodes mm. and um, it was kind of hard and interesting though to, to talk about it openly with my father and with my brother um, because they were like, oh, depression, that's just something that happens to other people. What are you talking about? Mm. You know, so it hadn't even crossed their minds that um, there could be this tangible thing that is actually going on for me and it's ongoing mm. Mm. and I need their support. Um, with that so yeah I don't know um, I don't know how common it is for people to find their families like people of colour communities to find their families supportive um, I can mm. sort of um, chip in as um, my mother and um, my brothers Like um, they have generally been quite stalwart supports um, both in terms of my artistic creations and um, my gender identity, like they, they, um, with with regards to art, because when I was it began sort of creating these things, and I didn't really have that much self belief in myself, they would always be the ones like um, my mum, my brother would sort of like um, smuggle like some of my artworks to school and show his friends, mm. and and mm. then you know <laughs> he'd come back and tell me stories about what they said. I'm like, oh really, you know, mm. and um, yeah, but. Um, there's yeah that there's many different layers in, in terms of what because um, um, Rani you talked about talking to your um, your father and, yep. and brother mm. so um, like in some time some some ways there can be barriers to do with masculinity yeah totally and um, totally. yeah mm. so whereas my mother's been very open to looking mm. at these things my stepfather mm. has been very distant in mm. yeah in looking yeah. at art as a as a curative thing or as as a as a productive thing in itself mm. at all, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting because then um, I told my brother, you know, some of the things you've been saying has been really unhelpful, you know, and mm. I cut off contact with them for a while because some of the things was just so, so unhelpful for how fragile I was, the state mm. that I was in. And I just said, and then when I finally made contact again, I was like, can you please just read up on depression? Can you read up on Beyond Blue? Can you read up on mm. the Black Dog Institute? And then my brother, to his credit, he, he did. He went and read up on it. And he was like, oh, okay, I, I see now. You know, I just wow. need to listen to you instead of kind of telling you to cheer up, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, yeah, so I, I feel quite grateful because I think to an extent in my family, there's definitely that willingness to kind of go, oh, okay, I just need to read up on it, you know, and... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like giving right. giving our parents or um, yeah, our siblings like the space for them to do it on their kind of on their own terms. Like it might not be on our terms, but eventually, like they're slowly learning and yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely kind of community education thing, hey. Yeah, for mm. sure. Mm. Yeah, mm. especially given that um, you know they've probably gone through their own traumas that they they mm. don't want to talk about, and so mm. maybe talking about it is just like it's just quite mm. a new thing for them to do mm. 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 yeah so mm. what about um in terms of making art that is about well Rana your upcoming piece is about like talking about trauma in mm. a sense um mm. do you feel that when you're approaching that kind of work it's different from other artistic work that you're doing mm, definitely I mean I think I touched on it earlier in terms of the self-exposing kind of thing mm -hmm. um you know, I just finished a play, which is someone else's PhD project, which was awesome. But that didn't feel anywhere near as self-exposing. You know, it's quite, yeah. it's a vulnerable place mm. um, to make work from personal trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, yeah. And what do you do to carry yourself through that? Yeah, Maybe something that Judy Atkinson said last mm -hmm. week actually was really helpful, where she was like, draw this distinction between where it's your story and mm. where it's, you know, the person's story and where it's your audience's story. Because in Sedisuno, you know, it's my story, but it's also my mother's trauma. And then there's also whatever stories the audience members bring to the space, you know, that might be opened up. Yeah. So kind of making sure there's, that I have an awareness of where, in a way, I guess my sadness ends and my mother's mm. begins, sort of mm. thing. And what I touched on earlier as well, 
making sure that there's I, my touchstone is always I do the best that I can with the time, energy, and resources that I have. Yeah. And that has to apply to the work, has to apply to the team, and it also has to apply to resting and self-care. Resting, mm-hmm. yes. Like, <laughs> I have to put aside the time, energy, and resources to taking care of myself, too. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because that yeah. really enables you to fulfill your roles in, in other places, yeah. unless you have that recharge time. Yeah. Like, mm. I balked at the cost of counselling. Um, mm. It was like $135 for an hour session Mm. Um, and then you know if you get Medicare rebate it's $85 rebate so it's $50 Mm. and at first I balked at that and then the receptionist lady she was so kind she was like you know if you really need this dear it is worth it and then I kind of like hung up and then thought about it and I was like you know if a friend needed me to fork up $135 because they really needed it for their self-care I would totally give that so why am I hesitating when it comes to myself when I Uh clearly need it Mm. you know Mm. so yeah but you know I recognize that not everyone has $135 there are other Mm -hmm. counseling options that are free as well totally yeah yeah. Dawn do you have any final thoughts yeah um, in terms of it's a similar sort of vein of, of, of being able to separate yourself from the work um, as mm. what Rani said, separating, um, you know, I, I just penned some thoughts from before, but like if you're giving, you're taking a lot of yourself and putting it into the artwork, then rather than continuing to invest your emotions in where it is, like once you've sort of completed it and wrapped it up, you can look mm. at it from a further position and be um, able to have that space to move on afterwards like it's really important to the same thing goes with if if you're an artist and and, you know a a beginning artist and you're always concerned about um criticism and so on like critique um being able to step back and realize that it's not it doesn't define you in the Mm. same way that mental health labels don't define you Mm. um Mm. yeah the suffering that you portray in art doesn't have to define you either it's an important process that can give yeah allow you to express your trauma but then you need to be able to step away from it and heal Mm. cool thank you um well time's almost up but i i wanted dawn i wanted to hear about the upcoming our voices changing cultures event that's happening oh yes um oh i'm so excited for that yeah we have a group of um, amazing women of color um performing um a project that has been uh Curated well um, under the direct direction of uh, Monique Hamid, mm-hmm. and oh, she's the one who put it together. And we've got two lovely facilitators in um, Tash and Kairu, who've been amazing. Um, I've really enjoyed the projects and um, sorry the workshops um, in what um, the new ways they get us to explore. Me not coming from a performing arts background, but being able to mm-hmm. explore connections with my body and connections with others in, in a really safe, supported space. And that's going to sort of funnel into the things we're portraying um, and showing and with a few personal stories as well. Like I'm doing a poem, um, my friend Christina is doing a poem and we're both helping each other perform. And yeah, there'll be some great things to come. Cool. Awesome. And what's the date for that? Oh, it's the 20. It's next weekend. I think it's the 22nd. Is that right? Yes, 22nd. That sounds right. It's a I Sunday. Know. Yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure it's I'm the so 20. It's the, I'll, I'll look up on the Facebook event. I'm pretty sure it's the mm-hmm. 22nd of November. It'll it's be great. in the Futsuri Community Arts Centre. Yeah. yeah. And there'll be a panel afterwards, panel discussion later. Yeah. Jinghua is going to be at that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Queering the Air's uh, former presenter, Jinghua, will be on the panel um, at the Our Voices Changing Cultures event. So. Mm-hmm. We'll be posting up an uh, um, event details on our Facebook page, so do check that out. So you've been listening to Queering the Air today on 3CR Community Radio, and today on the show we've been chatting about mental health and the arts with Rani Pramesti and Dawn Dankoman. So thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you. you.